Hello and welcome to AmeriCrown Dreams. I'm Jenna. And I'm Caitlin. Uh, and this is a podcast about the British royal family. Yes, it is. Uh, when something monumental happens in your life or in the world, you often know that exact moment of where you were when it happened. For example, people know exactly where they were when Pearl Harbor happened or 9-11. Or JFK got shot. Right. Or when Countess Luann, former, announced that she was divorced divorcing tom d'agostino that happened today i was in my office everyone (laughs) it's very dramatic this is relevant it's a royals podcast carry on indeed carry on caitlin um as we approach the 20 year anniversary of the death of princess diana i still vividly remember the moment i found out i was eight years old and camping with my parents sister and a few relatives in nature a radio on the picnic table went to the breaking news um the adults hurriedly began to discuss and i just stared down at my dog um, she was a one-year-old black and white Shih Tzu. Callie! Very, very cute. The cutest. Yeah. Um, but she was covered in mud, and she was not happy about that. Because no. Because she's a Shih Tzu. She should... I mean, they used to sit in emperor's, like, sleeves. Yes. She also had a throne in your yes. in your home. Which was a, an old footstool that had been covered in a full, polar fleece <laughs> pillow. <laughs> and she yeah. had an underbite. And she mm-hmm. deserved better because she was a princess. Yeah. Herself. Yeah. So my dog looked, her sadness is really how I felt <laughs> when, when I found out. Um, oh my gosh, I'm <laughs> laughing. It's not, oof. Oh, she was oh. really cute. I know. Um, I mean, and as an eight-year-old, I mean, I would, all I knew was that she wore tiaras and she was beautiful and she was a princess, so. And when we're, we're not talking about Callie, we're talking about. Right, we're talking about Princess Diana. Yes. <laughs> um, and obviously today we have a very different view of that. I mean, I don't know where you were. Well, I don't remember where I was when I first heard about it, but mm-hmm. I, my, my mom wasn't, she didn't talk to me a lot about, about the royals when I was younger. And so I, I knew who Princess Diana was. I didn't know the kind of impact she had on people. And I didn't know about the work she was doing, again, beyond just the fact that she was married to the future King of England. And I remember going to a soccer game the next day and one of my teammates, I don't even know who this person is, uh, was talking about how her mom had freaked out and unplugged all the televisions and was had been like sobbing in their house. And I was like, what? Did she know her? And she was like, no. And that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And obviously, I mean, I didn't here in America, it was pretty easy to escape knowledge of, especially when you're eight years old, Mm -hmm. uh, knowledge of what was going on in the world. And you're right. As I got older, I became, began to understand that a lot better and to understand why someone's mom in Minnesota would have such an extreme reaction and be so devastated by the death of a woman they had never met. Absolutely. Uh, so the reason why we even bring this up is because it's the main topic for our episode today. Uh, in conjunction with ITV, uh, UK uh, television channel, Princess William and Harry, um, for the first time, kind of opened up a much wider view of Princess um, Diana's life and um, that her, and not just her life as a princess, but really her life as a, a mother, a sister, a friend, and a humanitarian. Um, so yeah, so we'll be discussing the documentary and uh, what it adds to quite an intricate legacy. How 
How are you this week, Caitlin? Great. Kind of cold out, but it is. It's unseasonably cool. Yeah. But um, Paul and I were in Indiana this weekend for a wedding, Ooh. so I've never been to Indiana. Did you drive there? We did not. We actually flew. Ooh, good call. Uh, yeah. I mean, I drive, I've driven to Chicago several times, and that's one of my least favorite drives. Yeah. And you probably know this yes, as I, I went someone to, who's driven several times. I went to college oh, no. near Chicago, and so many, well, at least twice a year, I was doing the drive between Minneapolis and there. And driving through rural Wisconsin, while beautiful, is not the most engaging or fun drive to make. Especially because, for whatever reason, it's 2017, but cell phone service doesn't exist still on a lot of that part of I-90. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what's happening, yeah, but so not the funnest drive, but everyone in Indiana is very nice. So were you in Indianapolis? Uh, we were in South Bend. Oh, we, South Bend. Yeah, we were, uh, the wedding was at Notre Dame. It was one of Paul's okay. high school friends. I see. So yes, my mother-in-law is from Indiana. Okay. So I've never been to South Bend, but also one of my good college friends is from Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. So last time I was there was for her wedding to my other college friend, your best friend, Ryan, oh, who Ryan. you miss. Ryan, if Kit. you're listening, which I'm sure you are because you're constantly missing me. Yeah. We haven't Ryan. seen each other ever. No, you've never <laughs> met in person, um, but your, your friendship, it spans that. Right. It, it transcends that, I it should does. say. It mm -hmm. does. Um, but how are you? I'm good. I am... Uh, getting, I had a fun weekend last weekend in that my husband was not in Minnesota. He was in Nashville. And so that meant I was alone in an apartment by myself and I got to watch whatever I wanted on TV. And I did a 2,500 piece puzzle and it was fantastic. Oh, what was the puzzle of? It was a, like a picture from like Red Rock Can Canyon oh, okay. in, um, Arizona. And I got it at a thrift store for 25 cents, probably, nice. which is the best. And not one piece was missing. So I, I was a pretty fun achievement. But the problem is it was so such a big puzzle because it's 2,500 pieces that I had to like do it in sections mm -hmm. because I only had my coffee table. And so I had like multiple pieces of poster board and we're like shuffling that around. But now I'm working on a 3000 piece puzzle, which is a black and white Picasso print. And that's crazy. But yeah, this has been Puzzle Corner. Right. Yay. <laughs> so. All right. Well, I think we will kick off our um, royal news. Uh, we have a pretty long list, but I, I fear that in the coming weeks, since August is generally a very quiet month for the royals, we might have less unless, uh, as we'll discuss later, someone's birthday is coming up. And yeah. it'd be really great if they made news about yeah. that. Uh, but to start, we'll start with uh, pr what Prince Harry's been up to. Uh, Prince Harry uh, was last week, he was, and you might have seen these adorable photos. I'm actually going out of order because... That's okay. Um, on our list. This this waits for no man or woman. Yeah. Um, you might have seen some adorable photos of Harry playing with children and went, God, he's going to be an amazing father. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I, what did I text? I, you texted me about something else and yeah. I just was like, by the way, pictures of Harry with cute kids yes. and then heart eyes emojis. And was like, get thee to Instagram yes. right now. Uh, so Harry was out playing um, with kids and at an event um, for a, it's called uh, Street Games Fit, which is a um, campaign to obviously provide opportunities for kids to stay active and help it become healthy. Yes, it's <laughs> Fit and Fed is the yeah. full name of it. And it was um, a charity that set up 
to address the um, the problem that comes up during school breaks where a lot of children don't have access to they since they're not um, getting their school meals or getting going to gym class or something like that they lose opportunities uh, to get outside and exercise and play and they also um, sometimes don't get enough to eat and so this is a charity in England that is trying to address that by making sure that kids are kept fed and active even when they're not in school and as part of this, Harry was playing soccer with some very small children in very large jerseys. <laughs> and he was picking them up and just being super amazing with them. And I fell out of my office chair. Not really, but <laughs> it's super cute. Yeah. Uh, so very cute. Yes. Uh, the other thing Harry was up to was he made a private visit to the British Red Cross um, to help their efforts and thank the people, the volunteers who helped during the Grenfell um, tower fire. Um, and so he went there to sort through donations since obviously people have lost everything right in, um, the fire and, um, obviously to thank everybody. Right. And so he showed up and it was, mm -hmm. uh, seemed like a lively scene of people sorting through toiletries and bedding and other mm -hmm. types I, items that were donated to the families who were displaced by that fire. And again, just be still my heart. Yeah. We'll get into this much, you know, in much more detail later about when we're talking about Harry and William's charitable activities and how that's really carrying on a legacy from their mother. But yeah, mm -hmm. I don't know. I just love it. And just to, once again, props to the Kensington Palace Instagram or just mm -hmm. social media team because you brighten my day. <laughs> I, you know what? There's times when I'm just like, hey, I, I, once a morning or so, I check Twitter just to make sure, you know, the world hasn't gone to hell. Right. Completely to hell. I mean, yeah. it, usually something's happened, but that, that we're all still here, that, you know, what's going on. And I then look at Instagram so I get updates from all the dogs that I follow and then also Kensington Palace. Right. So That's a great way to start your day. It is. It's why I like coffee break. It's like my 1030. Mm -hmm. And speaking of checking up on dogs, the next news item... I do not have any details about this beyond the fact that Charles and Camilla uh, attended the Sandringham Flower Show, which I'm assuming is a flower show similar to the... The Chelsea Flower Show. The Chelsea Flower Show. And the only real news to come out of this is that Camilla met several very good dogs. <laughs> There's one photo that was, I think, a couple of golden retrievers and then maybe a Shih Tzu. Um, or some other kind of small Muppet mm -hmm. creature. And I was like, good job. Good job, dogs. Way to be cute. I want that yeah. to be my job. Just yeah. going around to flower shows and petting dogs. Well, was, I feel like Camilla, it, they have dogs. I mean, Camilla has some dogs. I forget what kind, but she's very, like, into those, her dog. Yes. Or well, dogs, of course. I can't remember, but... But yes, these dogs were just like, hi, we're yeah. great. This is great. <laughs> you should take more pictures of us. So that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. Next is we will move to Will, Kate, and Charles, uh, who I, I can't believe I even forgot that this was happening. I think it's because I was like, oh, after Germany and Poland, they would just kind of disappear for a while. Right. Because it would be exhausting. Right. Because usually after a tour, again, rightfully so, I guess this is the, the first time that the whole family, the whole Cambridge family has gone on a tour and it's mm -hmm. been quite close. I mean, maybe one time, one or two time zones over, mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to going to Canada 
um, which the recovery, the jet lag recovery from that is a little bit more substantial. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I also had no idea this was happening until all of a sudden pictures started showing up and I was like, oh, they're in Belgium. Yeah. So they're in Belgium, Caitlin. What were they in Belgium for? Um, They were in Belgium to celebrate the 100th anniversary of the centenary. Is that what we would? Yeah. Centenary. Centenary. That seems more official sounding. Sure. Um, Let's go with it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Of the uh, Battle of the Passchendaele. Yep. Um, And so it was essentially, I will give you a very broad overview of this. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was, so obviously it was um, German was not... It was against Germany and uh, British, um, obviously, citizens and then Commonwealth soldiers, in addition to um, Belgium soldiers, were in a fight that pretty much lasted four months. Yikes. Um, And this had been about the third time they had fought in this general area. Mm -hmm. And over 400,000 soldiers on both sides ended up dying. It I think it was about 2,100 people a day were dying. God. Um, For the first about... (sighs) 30 days for the first month or so most they had issues because it was raining it was terrible weather and um so it was very muddy and like people were literally like it was quicksand like people weren't dying just because they were getting shot at they were falling in the mud yeah so it was just not only just a, a war in general it was it was really bad and it's one of those along with um several other world war one memorials that they've been doing um Yes. One of the more horrific and awful um, events. And over 90,000 bodies were never identified. Yeah, that was before they had, like, they didn't have dog tags. Right. Um, And obviously now, I mean, usually it was like you would recover a body and uh, one, it's like the ability to identify that person. Like, they didn't have easily accessible, like, dental records even. Not a lot of people even went to the dentist unless they, like, needed to get something yanked. People didn't have x-rays just, like, hanging around. Even by the time, like, um, I was just, they just, like, okay, this is totally random. Okay. But, you know, how, like, they just identified a Minnesota boy who was killed by, um, what's his name? John Wayne Gacy. Yeah. 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 Like, and they were able to do that. Right. And they didn't have dental records, but they were able to do... Yeah. Like a DNA test with like his family or his sisters to like figure it out. Yeah. They, what it was is his, um, I think his niece and nephew, yeah. because if you can find, um, a, a couple of family members and you can identify pretty much like the DNA yeah. that is from that one side of the family mm-hmm. and then compare it and then you can come up with a statistical probability. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway. Yeah. Well, so. that's an aside, but I was going to say my, yeah. my random thing, um, is my vision of what world war one was like comes from my one of my favorite all-time movies which is a little princess the one that was did we talk about this last week we did yes. yeah okay hi so cry this every is, time yeah okay so but that whole thing was just the being in the trenches and everything it's mm-hmm. insane yeah mm-hmm. i won't go on yes. we don't need to talk about right. it again war is hell yes and um <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh the royal family also shared that king george v um had visited troops in World War One during this period, so they shared a photo. Um, yes, and they also shared some other documentations. They had some letters that had been sent to various military leaders. I could not read them because they're written in cursive on, mm-hmm. seemingly on, in pencil on old paper, and I don't know what they're talking about anyway, but it's really interesting. That's um, posted, again, on Instagram mm-hmm. by the royal family, uh, account and so if you're interested in history, right? 
that was really interesting to see. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so on the first day it was um, just uh, Will and Kate for this first day of um, kind of recognition and um, ceremonies. So, ceremonies along with the Belgian royals and Philippe and Mathilde. Yes. And uh, so everyone was looking pretty classy. Um, so on this day, essentially, they were at the Menin Gate, which is um, pretty much the large monument that they, um, almost every day for the last, like, every day at night since they put up this monument, I think, in the 40s, they mm-hmm. have a, they essentially play music to recognize okay. everybody there. Yeah. Um, and there's names, obviously, on this gate, and it welcomes you into the town. Um as you come in. Yes, because I think part of the battle of uh, Passchendaele was the battle of the sub battle of Menengate Road, or I think yeah. it was a road that was called mm-hmm. Menengate Road, and so obviously it was an important point of the battle. And so the monument from the photos I saw looked really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, worth a visit if you're in the area, I would think. Um, going to what Kate was again, William was wearing a blue suit. With Naturally. a red and blue striped tie and a poppy. I mean, he looked he looked good. Yeah, he looked good. He not nothing too remarkable. What was mm-hmm. Kate wearing? Uh, Kate was uh, in her McQueen her white McQueen coat, which I mean she has many, but specifically it's the one that came from um, Charlotte's christening, and she's also worn it to the Troopany of the Color. I think she wore it last year. Yes, um, I think that's correct. So yeah, she's worn it with three different. Um, think three different hats actually now that I think about it um but yeah she was wearing a larger um hat the satellite dish hat and um someone also actually kind of um, obviously it's one of her larger perchers um but someone kind of noted that it's also if you look at it um not the way she's wearing it but if you flipped it the other way it would kind of look like a helmet from world war one oh and I thought that was really interesting Hmm. because I was like what if that's what she was thinking and like her team was thinking, or her stylist, right? Yeah, whoever they're geniuses, like they're so smart, like yeah, love it. Um, and I, the first time I, I can't even remember where she first wore the hat. I think she did wear it to the trooping. Actually, yes, I now can one hundred percent confirm with myself she <laughs> did wear it to the trooping. She actually wore it. I think she wore it 2015, 2014. Um, and she wore it with a blue. Um, I think it was a Catherine Walker coat. It's I, I would say it's probably not my favorite trooping look. Um, but yeah, cause the hat was, is kind of overwhelming, but I thought it worked really nicely with today's or that day's, um, with the coat and everything, since it was all white instead of previously when it was the white hat and then like this kind of blue, um, coat dress with like, oh, white flowers. Oh, is it the pale blue one? It might be. I think so. I'm going to pull up a photo. Yeah. But, well, my thoughts on this hat, it's not my favorite, but the, the issue is I probably... I don't know that I could ever pull off a hat of any kind. Like, I think of the uh, scene in Parks and Rec where Leslie's at, talking to Anne about what she should wear on her <laughs> on a date, and she's like, I don't know, yeah. should I wear something like a sexy hat? And then she goes, I don't think that's a thing. <laughs> and so that's, I mean, hats are hard to mm-hmm. wear. Kate looks yeah. amazing in hats a lot of the time. Oh, obviously she has a team to help her select mm. them and pin them securely to her hair. This is just not one that I think is flattering to really anyone. Mm-hmm. I think it looks better with her hair in a bun versus yes, down. Yes, that's for sure. Look- this is one of, I think, look in, if you want to look at it, it's the 2015 Trooping image of Kate. Yes. Um, 
I think it was very decisive, not only because the hat was a lot going on, but the dress is very busy, too. Yeah. Um, but, yes, I definitely like it better with what she wore with the McQueen coat than what she wore. I don't even know. I'm guessing Catherine Walker, but I can't say for sure, certain. Yeah, I you agree. Know. But we won't pile on that. We'll right. talk about another accessory that she had. Indeed. Which was her, uh, she repeated the clutch from Germany, the yes. really cool cube clutch, which mm-hmm. that's a... Uh, that's a quick turnaround for that one. It's like they didn't end up putting it back in the closet. And she was like, no, I really like that. Because I feel like that sometimes happens with Kate is Mm -hmm. she'll repeat and like, and it's not just like her, you know, neutral shoes that Mm -hmm. she'll repeat quite often in a row. But sometimes she'll have an accessory or a piece of jewelry that uh, you were like, she'll just wear it kind of like in back to back events Mm -hmm. or have it around. You're like, oh, there's that. And then you won't see it again for a while. Mm -hmm. And I think it's probably like, she probably has a closet that's larger than my bedroom. Uh, My house. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) But I mean, like just a, geez, I'm sorry. I'm (laughs) elbowing the trophy case that's next to me. Um, Carrying on. She probably has like a a closet that is more manageable size. And they Mm -hmm. probably rotate things in and out for seasonal, uh, like, you know, she probably has her summer dresses brought in, her spring dresses, her fall, her winter, all that kind of stuff. And then also, you know, coordinated so she doesn't repeat outfits so she can put things away and have them cleaned and have them, you know, make sure that they're in tip top condition, repaired, you know, hemmed, fix any tiny things and all that. But um, so I'm sure that's what it is. But I bet like this is one of the one of the reasons behind it, I would guess, is that they have the accessories in there, and so they hadn't switched out the accessories, and she's like, no, I like this, I want to use it again. Yeah. And they hadn't taken it away yet. I feel like it's just something that she would like, and she would, like, personally want well, to use. Well, it's a really cool clutch. Like, I would just bring it to the grocery store with me. I know. So. Yeah. And so she's like, yeah, let's use this, it, it works. Mm-hmm. Um, she also was wearing a hairnet, and there's some chatter, because she's been doing that a lot lately with her updos, mm-hmm. and as a person who has had to put her hair in a bun when she used to dance ballet and things and uh I was a I used hairnets quite a bit but it's interesting because that's seen as a bit more old-fashioned kind of like her nude hosiery yes but you know we'll see yeah I like it I feel like if it keeps her hair up and gives her that peace of mind that if her hair might fall out that she's okay right um but yeah definitely not something I think I would think to do no. Mm-hmm. Well, um, so then on to day two. Um, that is the day that uh, Prince Charles th- uh, joined them, and they uh, participated in a ceremony, another ceremony, uh, and this was at Bedford House, um, and there was a large cemetery there, and so um, Kate laid flowers on the tomb of the unknown soldier, and both Charles and Prince William. Uh, spoke at the ceremony. Um, again, I think William honestly was wearing the exact same outfit he had worn the day before. I didn't notice any difference in his ties, but I wasn't really <laughs> looking that closely. So, I don't even know. Um, Prince Charles was looking snazzy. Oops, sorry, that's my phone. Prince Charles was looking snazzy and he had his tan double-breasted suit on. Oh, which, I did see that. That was a little... I, I mean... It's, it's, we talk, we talk about this. It's hard to wear things that are, you know, seen as appropriate for the 
event, especially when it's one of these sad, like, like sadder, more somber, more somber yeah. things. Like on um, Armistice Day, when they do that, you know, Kate is always, wasn't Kate and, um, oh gosh, somebody else, they had the same exact black coat and it was like a black McQueen coat and it came out that they were wearing the exact same coat. Oh, another, I, was it hmm. um, Sophie? I think it's possible. I, I think, and they were standing next to each other. I mean, it was a great coat. I would right. want it too. But um, I think you, yes, I do kind of vaguely remember. I might be making, but this I think up. Kate, Kate's was probably more embellished or something. Yeah, or it had a little more detail, or it had like a different mm. brooch on it. Yeah. Um. But so, or yeah, it was. They wore different poppies, but it was was like different. It was the same coat, mm -hmm. but how they accessorized and the hats they wore were more mm -hmm. much different. But on those occasions, it's pretty traditional that everyone wears black or a dark gray or a right. dark navy. Because it's seen as more of a, you know, not funeral, but like a funereal type situation. Right. A place where you're showing, you're in mourning, so you're showing respect for right. people. So it's much more recent, uh, the things that they're, you know, remembering and memorializing. Like yeah. you're talking about people dying in Afghanistan and Iraq. Right, and exactly. Versus this, which happened 100 years ago, and there aren't really that many people alive anymore who were well part of it. Also, I mean... If you were going to wear black for every single event that was, you know, every single day that was the anniversary of a horrific day in World War One, <laughs> for the span of, you know, the years now in the 2000s, over the years when World War One was happening 100 years ago, you would wear black every single day oh, because sure. it was all terrible. Mm -hmm. Some days were just extra terrible. So... The tan double-breasted suit, I didn't personally have a problem with. I think that it's very Charles. Yeah. You know, double-breasted suits, like, <laughs> I always just think of, like, Thurston Howell III on, from Gilligan's Island. Like, the, the, like, old, fancy, rich dude. Like, those are the people who can pull off a double-breasted suit. Um, you need to be, like, a super rich prince, which he is, or you need to be, like, the villain in an 80s movie. Um, oh. So, which he's not, I don't think. So, um, I think he, he looked good. Um, Kate was wearing another coat, mm -hmm. um, this time Catherine Walker, and I liked this coat a lot. Mm -hmm. It was, uh, another white coat and it had silver lace trim. And the part I liked the best about it was that it had like scalloped edges. So yes. it followed the lace. Um, it was like somebody cut out the lacy pattern and then put it on the bottom of the coat. And so you had this beautiful detail work at the bottom mm -hmm. and it was really nice. I didn't like the, that she was wearing her boring nude shoes with it. It didn't match. Wear the gray shoes you wore yesterday, Kate. What are you doing? <laughs> Did you mix them up? You wear nude shoes with your all white and then you wear gray shoes with your gray lace trim. I don't know. Somebody mislabeled something. Mm -hmm. Some intern <laughs> is getting beheaded at the tower. Just kidding. But anyway, she looked great. Um, I really, really liked it. Mm -hmm. Oh, the beret. So I'm very sad about the beret. Yeah. The beret was not my favorite. And when I saw it at first, I was like, I wish she would wear that other beret that she wore last time she was in Belgium. Yeah. Which was, um, if you write, it had like the pale, it was like pink. Um, yeah, it was pretty much, it was like a more of a bubblegum pink and like a blush mm -hmm. kind of like, I don't even know, like. Was it was it millennial pink? It was kind of millennial pink. I don't even know what pink was a thing. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Is yes. that just baby pink? Like, it's like, no, no, it's like more mature looking. Like it's the color of Kirby, kind of. 
Oh, wait, that's Millennial Pink? Kind of, yeah. I thought Millennial Pink was more pastel-y than that. Maybe it is. I don't know. That was the first thing I saw in this room. That was pink. For those so. of you who aren't uh, <laughs> sitting in this basement currently, Caitlin is pointing to her husband's stuffed animal collection, which is just a bunch of, a shelf with a bunch of collectible stuffed animals of Kirby, of Mario, Nintendo characters. Yeah. Anyway. So, but yes. Yeah. Uh, so I was, I was like, oh, she should wear that. Well, someone I and I should attribute this to someone. I forget what blog I was reading. It was it wasn't one of the more popular ones. I don't think. If you're hearing this, please don't sue us yeah. for saying that. Um, but she said that she thinks that they actually repurposed that beret and added in the new um, white kind of flowers and almost like I, I it felt like it was like kind of tentacles on the side of her head. Ooh. Um, so I was very sad that this beret that I love so much that she wore last time that they were in Belgium for a World War One event is no longer a thing. Unless you can take them off and on. Maybe. Maybe it's like awesome. in Pride and Prejudice, you know, where they they have to trim up a new bonnet and they just like put a bunch of crap on it right. and then take it off. Yeah. Like Lydia buys it and they're like, that hat is super ugly. What the hell? And she's mm-hmm. like, no, I'm just going to take it to pieces <laughs> when I get back home like all right so that's my hope because i loved that beret it's so fun Mm -hmm. and i really hope they didn't completely destroy it right well that was pretty much it for belgium it was a short trip over there just the two days um which i think makes a lot of sense in the context of the events that they were there for Mm -hmm. and um the fact that they had just returned from their longer stint in poland and germany but ultimately I think it was pretty successful um it's always nice to see them uh attending these events it's also oh my favorite I have to talk about my favorite photo from that is the one when Charles shows up and he's greeting Kate and you can see he's just looks like un he just looks delighted like he's like move over William I'm talking to my daughter excuse me I have to hear about my grandchildren Thank you. Bye. And it's really cute. It's just a nice photo. And it mm-hmm. shows that he really does. I don't think he's that good of an actor. I mean, yeah. I can tell you definitively he is not that good of an actor because you see pictures of him like when he's clearly miserable. Yeah. And in that picture, he just looks like so delighted to see her. And he's like, like, what a like... beautiful day in Belgium. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Catherine, you look wonderful. You know, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. No, I thought it was a good one. And I felt like it was a good follow up to... Um, as we called our last episode, that soft pretzel diplomacy. Oh my God. That was a, that was a genius name made by so, that Jenna created. Story time. I was driving to, um, driving to pick up my husband at the airport and I was like, I write the descriptions for our episodes. I was like, Oh, we never, we usually discuss titles after we record or before. And we hadn't done that. And so I was like, Oh, what is there? And I was like, oh, Caitlin's talking a lot about soft diplomacy. And then I was like, oh, okay. And then puns. And then I was like, soft pretzel diplomacy, my favorite <laughs> thing in the world. And then I laughed to myself and alone in my car for about 10 minutes because I think I'm hilarious. And then I like had to, before I, I like barely greeted my husband. And I was like, I thought of the greatest pun. Listen to it. Appreciate it. Laugh at it with me. And he was like, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he, yeah. he, he knows. All right. But yes, anyways, talking about, yeah, that that diplomacy that Will and Kate have started to do um, now that the UK has decided to break up with the EU. And I felt like this was another great opportunity for them to be like, you know what? We worked with the Belgians, the people of Belgium, to, 
you know, make our world better and hopefully we can continue that and be there for each other. Right. Well, and Belgium is the, one of the headquarters of the EU. Mm-hmm. I went to Belgium in college. I did, a, my study abroad course was called European Union Studies and it was mostly in France um, at a university there, but we went to Strasbourg um, and then we also went to Brussels and we got to like see the uh, the like buildings and mm-hmm. all about it. And, yeah, Belgium is really a very European country. It actually didn't have a government of its own for quite a while, <laughs> for a couple of years. I don't know if it even does yet. It's weird because it's like half Flemish, half yeah. French. It's kind of always been like, it's it's not been the most unified, uniform country so it's really taken on this European identity so very interesting mm-hmm. place for them to go and also obviously relevant because of World War One and World War Two. exactly all right uh, so next uh, is uh, some more news about Kate she has um, an announcement from Kensington Palace came in um, d- uh, announcing that uh, she has hired a new private secretary um, and uh, you know she's Catherine Duchess of Cambridge, and she has hired Catherine Quinn. Ooh, Catherine. Um, and, and you're like, who? Yeah. And that would that would make sense. Um, but Quinn has a, quite an impressive resume. I'm actually going to just read um, what the People article that I found read, since they said it best. Okay. <laughs> um, so she's currently the Chief Operating Officer and Associate Dean for the Administration at the University of Oxford's, um, I'm going to say Said Business School, um, said... How is it spelled? It's a, but it's got the umlauts. Yes, Saeed. Saeed. Cool. Um, she also has an MBA from the school, in addition to degrees from the U.S. and U.K., or various U.S. and U.K. universities. Um, so she's done a lot of things. Like, she has been a member for the Charity Commission for English and we- England and Wales, so she obviously has a lot of experience with nonprofits and mm-hmm. charities, which is, of course, key. key and Kate's focus as a royal to bring attention to issues for of the day and uh also um she's uh worked for the met office the royal british legion and the national memorial arboretum Ooh. so um yeah so she will be taking over and she'll actually be taking a much more expanded role um than her current private secretary rebecca deacon who is kind of her um, the person you always see kind of behind her she has brown hair um she's usually dressed oh she's about a similar age as kate um, and she's usually the one carrying the flowers and the other gifts yes. that Kate receives when she goes up to talk to people. Kate will get it and she'll hand it off to Rebecca. Rebecca recently ma- got married. And um, so I think she's kind of ready for that next role role in her life since she had worked for, she's worked for them for over a decade. Yeah. And I think this probably ties in a lot to the fact that the Cambridges are now going to be stepping mm-hmm. up their royal yes. duties quite a bit. And so... Obviously, bringing in the big guns, like mm-hmm. they are here, yeah. um, it, it's a smart move to get somebody who has the expertise and the, the energy to dedicate, you know, full time, full steam ahead on this. Yes. And make sure that everything runs smoothly and mm-hmm. that they're coordinating the Duchess's patronages. Yes. And um, so it sounds like uh, they're going to be kind of trying to bring in some some new blood into the into Kensington Palace as they, yes, it, they step up their royal duties and become full-time royals. Um, and so, yeah, so she'll start in October, and we wish Rebecca Deacon farewell. 
was she gonna is she no longer going to work for them at all or it she, sounds like she's just gonna step down i'm sure she has another job okay of some sort unless she's going to I, mean, I she has other future plans like, i hope she's going to go to an island and drink daiquiris on a deck chair for mm-hmm. a long time yeah. And just relax and read a magazine. Just read a magazine. I mean, and you don't, I just, yeah. Because that must be such a stressful job. Um, But yeah, it'll be interesting to see since now um, Rebecca Deacon is about Kate's age. I think she's also about Mm -hmm. 35. Um, But Catherine Quinn is actually significantly older. She's about 65. And so she obviously brings that wealth of experience. But I think a lot of people have always mentioned that Kate's had kind of that confidant and, you know, that pure in right. the role, so I think it'll be interesting to see um, kind of, obviously, the relationship that they have, but since um, Catherine Quinn will be taking over as head of household and of the entire team, it might be a yeah, completely different role than right. what Rebecca had for her. Yeah, and I, I mean, there's benefits to both styles, I mm-hmm. think. It's nice to have a person who is more easy to relate to because they're in the same place in their life, who's mm-hmm. kind of more of your friend. Yeah. Um, like you said, your peer. Um, and cause that's really nice to have the support, but then sometimes it's also good to have somebody who has the experience. Mm-hmm. And also I think that obviously by this time, Kate has kind of gotten her bearings about what it's like to be a Royal. Mm-hmm. She's not in the deep end of the pool without having had any swimming lessons anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, she can take the floaties off and she can, you know, swim, swim laps with the best of them and mm-hmm. so she can handle somebody who isn't necessarily going to be her like girlfriend maybe yeah. at work but is going to just be a, a good colleague and a, mm-hmm. a good person to work with right she can handle it i think like yeah it's intimidating when you're younger and you're trying to like tell an older person what to mm-hmm. like if you're technically their boss which like kate coming into here like she would be the she was the royal mm-hmm. and being the boss of like technically the boss of somebody when really that person knows more than you, that can be super intimidating. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's probably, she's comfortable enough that she can handle it and she can not get, you know, yeah. intimidated by <laughs> a battle axe. Not that anyone is that. Right. I'm just mostly projecting plot points from the book, The Royal We, onto <laughs> this. And I'm picturing that it's Scylla and, um, God, what's her name? Marge. Marge. Just picturing yeah. those people, those characters, <laughs> as I've written them. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, and the only other news um, is that on that same day, um, the Queen's longtime private secretary, Sir Christopher Geit, stepped down from his position. So okay. she will need a second. This person is considered kind of her her right hand man as far as the person who kind of runs her 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 duties and her her life. So yeah, yeah. So she um, had so someone his successor is the person who is like the deputy secretary yeah so uh, edward young will be the successor so kind of yet yeah, some staffing changes as yeah as they go into the the fall the august break yeah i think this is a a good time i mean because you know staffing changes are hard in the middle of a in the middle of everything so i think this is probably a good time not only because of the august break mm-hmm. so transitions can take place at a slower pace, but also because of the change in uh, the various duties of the royal family members that's going to happen because I think it's a lot easier to come in with a team and on board from the beginning um, and 
being able to work together then than trying to change horses midstream, you know? Yeah. It's a lot harder. Yeah, so I'm excited to see, yeah, the changes that will kind of come now that um, they'll be moving, Will and Kate will be moving full-time or most of the time to Kensington Palace and what they'll kind of be taking on because it really does feel different. And yes. It feels like they're going to take on a lot more, so we're going to see them more. Yay. So hopefully they like that. <laughs> I know. It's such a double-edged sword because yeah. I'm sure they've just really enjoyed their you know, last couple of years being, mm-hmm. a, you know, in the country with their kids. Right. Quite far away from people if right. they want to be. Which I feel like is important. Like when you think about, uh, like Queen Elizabeth, she never really got that. No. Because her, obviously her father died when she was 27, 25, 25, something like that. Um, so she didn't get as much time to really kind of settle. Cause yeah, she was, she's always been since her father obviously had to take over the the throne. Yeah, she's been second in line. Exactly. Well, um, moving on to the Queen Adjacent, um, we saw the Duke of Edinburgh in an event. Um, he didn't have to travel very far, lucky no. for him. He met with some Marines at Buckingham Palace um, as part of a recognition. I mean, the Marines... Yeah, I think he's the... Was it, is he, like, the head? Like... I think he is. The ceremonial head of the Marines mm-hmm. and... Um, so he was just, uh, you know, chatting with the lads and, and lassies, and he was wearing a spiffy bowler hat. That's mm-hmm. m- what my notes say. <laughs> he just looked, he looked um, like Prince Philip. He uh, looked in good health. Mm-hmm. Um, again, he's another person for whom royal duties will be changing significantly um, later this year. So this is... You know, it's kind of good to see him out and about. Yeah, so this was his final kind of official um, event. He can kind of choose what he wants to do now. Yeah. Which, um, after, I think they they shared that he's done, like, 27,000 public events. And he's done 600, or 6,000, like, overseas trips. Like, bonkers. So, yes, at, at 96 or 95, I forget, you, I guess, I suppose you could retire. Yeah. Um, there was a funny... Uh, like comic that I saw today that was um, the queen was on the phone to Kate mm-hmm. and they're like and the queen says like the bubble says like oh yes Philip would love to come watch the kids for the day and then there's <laughs> Philip sitting on the couch with a sign that says hell no or like bloody like um, bloody yeah. likely or yeah. something like that and I thought that was oh. super funny yeah since I was like yes you do deserve a break sir <laughs> yes put your feet up mm-hmm. yeah the my Duke of Edinburgh thing is one of my favorite people ever, Nicole, who I've never met, people I admire on the internet under that category, Nicole Cliff, <laughs> who is one of the co-founders of the website The Toast. She had left Twitter because Twitter can sometimes be an awful place uh, to be, but she came back because I think she said in her words, she's 36 weeks pregnant and she needs uh, she, being she needs constant distractions, so being terrified of the world around her 24-7 <laughs> isn't as bad as it once seemed. <laughs> but she's tweeted a couple of very important thoughts about um, Meghan and Harry, and one of them was um, like, oh, remember, or it was like, one. I'm very concerned about the Duke of Edinburgh's health, mainly because I don't want Meghan's wedding day to be at all diminished by having some stupid ceremony, like, less than fantastic ceremony and then the next tweet was like 
Megan should not have to wear an ecru cocktail or day dress for her wedding. <laughs> like, give her pageantry, and it's like, I don't know, more articulate than that. But it was a good, good tweet, and it was yeah. like, Amen. I agree. Mm-hmm. Keep it, keep in good health, Bill. <laughs> don't want any of these problems to right. be created. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of Megan, uh, tomorrow someone celebrates a birthday. Birthday girl. So happy birthday, we could Megan. S- we could sing the song legally now, but we're not going to because yeah. no one sounds good singing that song. Nope. And uh, we know last year you probably celebrated your birthday under the radar with Prince Harry. Yeah. Because by the time October rolled around, we all knew. I think this is one of those things that, like, in the post-mortem, mm-hmm. looking at uh, their relationship, she had been posting all these insanely beautiful, like, floral arrangements mm-hmm. that she'd been getting. And, like, clearly Harry sent them to her. Yeah. Because Harry's got the hookup with all the florists right. wherever he is. And I think she did that for her birthday last year. And it was like, yeah. now it's like, ooh, now he yep. can celebrate in person. Right. Yay. Yay. Um, so, yeah, so it's her birthday, which brings us to a lovely article that Jenna found. Yeah. So, again, <laughs> this is, oh, E! News. E! News's online persona is pretty much exactly like E! News itself in that it's manic and hard to understand and doesn't it's kind of misleading at times like so there's an article today that was the headline it's Meghan Markle's suits guide to dressing like an adult at the office and it's like wait what and the whole premise of the article is like in honor of Meghan Markle's birthday tomorrow let's pretend that she was somehow involved in giving us this article so that we can try to sell you office wear and it's just like a weird slideshow of office attire, like yeah. pencil skirts, and it's supposedly because her character on Suits wears those types of things. But, like, the whole premise of, like, look at Meghan Markle dressing like an adult at the office, that's just so rude because she's an adult. Yeah. Like, <laughs> guess what? A lot of people dress like adults at the office. It's, I get it, like, it's a joke to say, like, I'm, I'm adulting. I'm cleaning my apartment. It's like, no, you're being a person. It's funny when you're in college and, like, maybe before you're 25. After that, you're an adult. You can complain about it. I certainly do. Mm -hmm. I certainly sit on my couch and watch SpongeBob and do jigsaw puzzles and whine when I have to deal with my responsibilities. But, like, just stop being, like, ooh, dressing like an adult. Especially for this woman who, she's she's a grown woman. Come on. Ugh. And stop trying to make money off of her name. Because <laughs> you know they got some, like, click-through things. Oh, for sure. And also, they put this, like, weird see-through shirt as, like, a recommendation. Like, I get it. They're like, wear a tank top under it. Mm-mm. No, no one's going to wear a Balenciaga see-through lace ruffle shirt to the office. That's not office wear. They're, like, trying to say, oh, she's a lawyer. She would wear this. No. No, that's not a thing. No, you she's wear a paralegal. It. Well, I think she... Doesn't she become a lawyer on the show? I don't I think she, like, eventually passes the bar or something. Then she'd have to go to law school. Not necessarily. Really? Yeah. Sometimes if you've been a paralegal long enough, it kind of depends. Okay. It's really complicated. Well, I only got past the second season where yeah. she and Patrick Adams make out. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And maybe, I think she may have been going, like, night school. Because mm. um, that'll have like, people do that quite yeah. often. Um, but, it's, I don't know. I, I take umbrage. <laughs> at this article and it got me my got my hopes up i was like megan's in the news no no, no. it's just people trying to Slider exploit her name Megan. 
So we're hoping that with her birthday being tomorrow, that maybe Harry will give her the gift that we all want. Yes. An engagement ring. Or a puppy. Or I'll a take puppy. either. Yeah. I'll take either. Yeah, that would be, oh my, that would be so cute if we were <gasps> out or if he, oh, oh, if he did the thing where he tied the ring oh to God. the puppy's collar, which is so cheesy, but I don't care. That sounds amazing. I don't care. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. So my fan fiction, I love writing this fan fiction. <laughs> None of this is true and it's just, but it would be so cute. Yes, it would. So the last thing on our um, news roundup is just a, a weird, so I kept seeing, so on Facebook, they always have like the sidebar, which talks about like the trending. Yep. And one of them was Queen Elizabeth. And I was like, oh, maybe Facebook just knows that I like want to know. Mm-hmm. And it said like the queen drinks four drinks a day for alcoholic beverages. For cocktails. For cocktails a day. And so I was like, well, I can believe it. I mean, mm-hmm. she's got a stressful job. She's old. It's still, I mean, but it's like, that's four cocktails a day, though. Right. That's a lot. Yeah. Especially, And like, I think, it, isn't it like she's been doing this for years? Years. For, for yes. decades. Yes. And so, um, <laughs> apparently it's not really true, according to one of um, the former Buckingham Palace chefs who they okay. interviewed for this article. Um, and what was actually even better than just knowing that she might possibly drink that much every day was really that, um, apparently like the chef was talking about that she, you know, she eats fish every day and that's how fish and vegetables and that's how she's like, but no starches. Um, and that's how she's managed to have such longevity and energy in her life. Um, but he also said that she's just really obsessed with horses, which is something you already know. Um, and then he has this quote, which I'm going to now read because I thought it was hilarious and really just sums up, I hope, all that Queen Elizabeth is and loves in her mm-hmm. life. Um, the Queen's not really bothered about food. All she cares about are horses and dogs, he says. The chefs and the food and kitchens come last. They're still using pots and pans from the 1800s with Queen Victoria stamp on them. Um, he'd even ask if the royals wanted to upgrade their cooking equipment, but they'd refuse. No, no, no. We need the money to buy horses and saddles, he was told. Yeah. She's yeah. got her priorities right. Right. Also, okay, like, what? it's probably, like, what, copper pots and stuff from right. when? It's fine. Right. They're it's... still they're still working. Yeah. I would be honored to use something so old. Yeah. And with That's, like, why history. I bought all clad pants. <laughs> not not an ad. But I'm just saying, like, my mom my mom's still got her pants that she got for her wedding in yeah. the, you know, early 80s. And, uh, so, and they'll still work. Yeah. It's metal. It's not going anywhere. Exactly. All right. So now that's the end of our roundup. So we will begin our our main topic for today. Uh, the ITV uh, special, um, called Diana, our mother, her legacy. Her life and legacy. Her life and legacy. Yes. Sorry. Yes. All right. Well, I will, I was, uh, reading a little bit about uh, the background to this and the Hollywood reporter spoke to the executive producer of this film and so that's where most of this information is coming from um, this film uh, it premiered in the United States on July 24th and it was on HBO I watched it because I did just do the HBO free trial mm-hmm. and so now I also have to like try to cram multiple seasons of Game of Thrones in uh, so I can a lot camp of work. I know but like it's expensive to have HBO and I it's... could not get my parents' username and password in time. <laughs> so um, this was produced by um, Oxford Film. And as Caitlin said, it was 
uh, produced for ITV, which I can't remember who was saying it. Doesn't Britain have two channels? Like yeah. ITV and BBC? <laughs> yes. yes, pretty much. Um, ITV is are those bastards who bought the Great British Bake Off from BBC. Mm-hmm. Or no, that was Channel 4. I don't know. Maybe there are three channels. Mm-hmm. Maybe ITV is Channel 4. I think, no, it is Channel 4. Yes, because they, there's, ITV not only has this documentary, but they are kind of in, or is it BBC 4? I forget, but. Well, no, because Channel 4 is different from BBC. Okay. Well, maybe it is, it must be ITV, because there's also a second Diana. um, Oh, yeah. Documentary that's been like, why is this getting published? Because it's actually her secret, very private tapes. Right. That she recorded with like her lawyer or something. Yeah. And like her, I mean, they were made in confidence. They were not. You know, oh, the, it was with her speech um, therapist or yeah. the person who helped her to coach really, speech coach. Yes, yeah, like the guy in um, Jeffrey Rush's character in The King's Speech, yes. but without stuttering and just more like you know being able to speak mm-hmm. and be like that. But you know, it's not. Yeah, that when I was looking for articles to read more on the background to this mm-hmm. one, I just typed in like Princess Diana documentary, and a lot of the news was about that one. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we'll watch that one. I don't think we'll talk about it. It does seem a little bit like it kind of creeps me out. Yeah, I don't I don't like I don't like it. Yeah. Also, there's only so much. I don't think it's going to have anything particularly revelatory. Right. It's just going to be intrusive. Oh, for sure. For no reason. And I'm sure it's nothing that we haven't already heard and no. Yeah, like I don't want people reading my rough drafts, you know. Mm-hmm. Like she gave the speeches that she was presumably working on with that person. Mm-hmm. If you want to know what she sounded like, you know, watch the speeches. We've all, I don't know. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on. But so this was produced, like I said, by Oxford Film, and the executive producer was a person named Nick Kent. And this is the same company we called it who made Our Queen at Ninety. So yes. that documentary. Um, that covered kind of the queen in her 90th year and that went into really intimate detail and looked at the family photos and films. Um, they're the same people. And uh, Nick Kent talked a lot about that, um, the fact that they had done this previous documentary. Um, and he was talking about it in the context of gaining the trust of the royal family. Um, because obviously to get this kind of access to the firm, it requires you um, treating them well. Yes. <laughs> and here they had the history. So he um, he was saying that he had an idea, you know, knowing that it was going to be the 20th anniversary of uh, Princess Diana's death, he kind of was thinking of ways that the topic could be approached from different angles because obviously there have been a lot of documentaries and books and biographies and uh, all sorts of media that's come out about Princess Diana and he was trying to find something that would actually add new information or a new perspective to what's already out there. And so he had an idea of of trying to get um, Princes William and Harry involved. Um, He reached out just to see if they were interested and they, uh, he was thinking just, you know, not particularly in-depth emotional discussions happening, but just more talking about her as a philanthropist. And they came back and they said, yes, they they would like to do it. And they um, wanted to actually present more information about her as a, 
a mother and as just a private person and not as a princess. So he, obviously Nick Kent was like thrilled and like, yeah, yes, that's great. Yes, sirs. What can we do to make this happen? Um, so the Hollywood reporter asked him, you know, you built trust with the Royal family. Um, you've obviously like who, who's got the real editorial control here. And according to him, um, the editorial control did stay with the production company and the broadcaster. Mm -hmm. um, but in recognition that, this, I mean, this is a documentary. They weren't going to go in and give people scripts or if, you know, something came out, um, they weren't going to necessarily edit it out just because. Um, but they did recognize that with the royal family, one, they're not going to, they're not going to, get rid of the breach this trust that they've built like that would be really dumb because mm -hmm. this you might want to make other movies with them right and the other thing is which i think is valid is he also said it's you know a question of security um making sure that you're not putting anyone at risk um by you know publishing something crazy or whatnot so they um they kept editorial control, and but they, they did allow the PALS uh, to have an advanced screening. Mm -hmm. And he said they did that, but they did not get any notes on the film. So apparently, according to Nick Kent, the royal family, though they had the ability to review the film ahead of time, they didn't um, make them change anything or make any suggestions. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so... Let's see. The the most intriguing part of this article was in the end where they said, so what's what's next for your production company? And this guy said, we're actually doing working on two more royal projects. We can't talk about what they are. They're called, they're quote, access projects, which is how he had previously described the Queen documentary and this one. Mm -hmm. So what I'm trying to think, what the heck could those two access projects be? Mm -hmm. And like, I mean, I'm just so excited. Just, I'm like, what would they right. be? And I want them like a backseat to the royal wedding of I Prince know, Harry and Meghan Markle. I know, or like the, <laughs> a day in the life of a royal kiddo. Yeah. Not really. I don't. Lupo. Think... Lupo. <gasps> royal puppy. Lupo, where are you? Yeah. I miss you. I, I want to do another Lupo watch. I, yeah, I know. One thing I think it could be is um kind of filming a transit like a soft transition of power mm -hmm. a look at how the queen and prince philip are or how, like prince philip i think could be the subject of one mm -hmm. of them because i think in recognition of his retirement they do really want to point out say like look at what this guy's done mm -hmm. and he is a very interesting character absolutely Especially since apparently, like, The Crown now is going to come out. The the, t the Netflix show is going to, like, focus on him, which is like, oh, cool. Mm -hmm. Let's focus on the not-title character. <laughs> but, um, you know, a lot of times these documentaries are kind of put out to get ahead of a story, um, mm -hmm. to, like, put out their own narrative. Like, we'll get into more detail on this Diana thing. But, like, mm -hmm. they don't gloss over... Or they, they, they may... You might say they gloss over it, but they don't completely skip over or ignore the more dramatic right. and less than great parts of Diana's life. They talk, mm -hmm. they get into right. the um, the scandals a little bit. Right. But I think it was as as revealing as you could get without being malicious. Right. And but they also are managed to like 
again, get ahead of the story, you know, kind of justify it a little bit and say like, well, this is what was happening. So, you know, you, everyone's like, oh, Princess Diana and the press, or she was baiting the press. Well, here they're able to talk about it and say it was really awful. And these people were saying these terrible things to her and right. just treating her awfully. And so they were able to kind of reframe mm -hmm. the narrative. Yeah, to, I, um, yeah. I wonder if the other project might be, I think it'd be about Prince Charles, because I think there is yeah. a definite, there's some, I think there's some worry that people, he will obviously not be as real, well received as the monarch. Right. And that's, that's to be expected. He has a, a past and, yeah. and he is not as, in, right, he has had a lot of time to build up that past versus his mother who came in at a very young age and was this sparkly and refreshing, um, you know, person mm -hmm. to, you know, be the crown. Right. And, and so, so that was what I was thinking is it might be something a little bit more like with the queen handing off, because they're not mm -hmm. going to frame it as like, oh, look at our new king. Because hopefully, you know, the queen will be in good health for yes. many more years. But showing her and her um, kind of shifting more duties to him mm -hmm. and kind of like having him step up into a more active role. Not that he has probably humanizing him a little bit. Just yes. because yes, we know he loves the environment and everything, but I think especially there's even when like Prince George was born and Prince Charlotte there has always been like he doesn't spend enough time with them or he's Which, complaining like, he doesn't spend enough time with them and that the Middletons get to spend more time with the grandchildren and it makes you go, Oh, is he just a terrible grandpa or something? And it's like he has a very big role in his life. Yeah compared to the Middletons who are like, we own a company and we have this house and we don't have the the, respons the same responsibility. Well, and also like the, this family is going to be living in the royal residences, you mm -hmm. know, f b like for most of their life. For now, let's live next to the other set of grandparents. Right. Also, there's always drama with like, oh, for people sure. always thinking, even if there's not actual drama in the family, there's mm -hmm. always outside people thinking like, oh, how does yes. it, how do your parents feel about that? Yeah. Um, so yeah, making humanizing him and showing him to be a good father, yeah, um, and a good grandfather, or somebody who cares deeply about his children and mm -hmm. grandchildren, and yeah, I think that could be. I think those are probably the most likely candidates for the two projects. Mm -hmm. My dream two projects are a documentary about Harry and Meghan and the whirlwind romance. I love. And then the rose romance. Mm-hmm. The rose romance, and then also yes, a day in the life of Lupo. Yes. But, so there's that. Mm -hmm. um, then another article I read, this one was in Vanity Fair. Um, it was talking about how there was a screening of this documentary um, for the press in England. And William apparently makes some remarks uh, that implied that this would be both the first and last time he would talk so personally about Diana as his mother. Mm -hmm. um, there were no quotes from that. It was just uh, what had been reported. And also that... So it never made it into the final? Is that what you mean? Well, it's, so he was introducing yeah. the film. Oh, So gotcha. he was there with the, the press and gotcha. answering oh, questions. Gotcha. And he had said something like, you know, this is the first time we're um, talking about, me and Harry are talking about our mother as, as a mother and as a private person. And we really get into it. And apparently it seemed like he was saying, this is the last time that'll happen. Oh, okay. I don't know. Again, it was, there was no quote. And um, 
something else, I think it might have been in that article or a different one, something else was reported incorrectly from that. They were like, they never mentioned Prince Charles in this documentary. I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, yes, true. they do. Yeah. Like, I watched I was it last night. surprised he was mentioned. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, they don't dwell on him. Right. But, like, the, or they were saying, oh, it was telling that William and Harry never mentioned him. I'm like, yeah, they talk about how much the divorce had an impact and how they never got to spend enough time with their mother, but they also never got to spend enough time with their father. Right. And it was very hard for them. Yeah. It's like, okay. So maybe that's the case. Maybe not. All right. Well, yeah. that's the background info I have on that. So let's yeah. shift. What were your impressions? Yeah. So I thought, first of all, I appreciated that. I thought, yeah, like we talked about, it's been, it was about as revealing and um, I would say the, as scandalous as I think they could be with yeah. the prince's involvement, um, which I appreciate because they talked about um, how she was very young when she married into this life. Yeah. And, and um, her lady in waiting, I forget her name, and I know you're going to go Ooh, over the I cast. Have, I have all the people. The, well, the this people. is why I have yes. it. Her lady in waiting is um, Anne Beckwith Smith. Yeah. She talked how it was pretty much baptism by fire. Like she just didn't even really know. She, she wasn't prepared. And. She never received that preparation that, obviously, now we know that Kate had received. Because, had, as a result of of William seeing and knowing what his mother went through. Yeah. Um, I think of everyone knowing what yes, his mother went through. Right. Um, yeah, they talked about the divorce. And uh, people talked about how she had a sense of freedom after her divorce. Which, yeah. 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 And I, you know, that's that's not that's not flowery. That's telling it like it is. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, you talked about how they felt pulled between the two parents. The, and then also they took, yeah, William is very, he just talks about, William and Harry talk about the media that, you know, it was utterly appalling what, um, what they were able to get away with and how, despite the fact that they did, you know, photo calls before events, like there's the one um, thing where they're in Austria, um, Princess Diana is in Austria with William and Harry and they want to go skiing and they did a photo call. Right, as, as is you, the usual setup when they're yes. on, like, a family holiday is the usual thing is to have the press come, do a photo call, snap their pictures, and then leave the family alone. Yeah, um, this, yeah Lech Austria was yeah. when this was. And you see, after they've done even the photo call, the press is still following them, and she's just like, please, I'd like to, you know, please let us be, like... We did photos already. I'm just trying to give... I'm here on vacation with my children. Like, I want them to have a sense... A normal... And yeah. You're scaring them. Please, please go. She... she It showed her actually, like, coming up to a camera, pushing it aside mm -hmm. and saying, like, please respect my children's space. Mm -hmm. And the man is like... She's like, we did the photo call already. And the mm -hmm. man's like, well, sure, I'll leave you alone if you give me a photo tonight. And she's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Which, yeah. obviously, is the right move because she... Upheld her side of the bargain. You don't get to then push her to do more for you so you can get a paycheck. Yeah. Because then, of course, no one will ever leave her alone because then they'll just know, oh, all I have to do is show up and bug her enough with her kids and then yeah. she'll do something for me. Mm -hmm. No, I get it. Everyone has to do their job. You don't have to be an ass. Mm -hmm. All right. That's yeah. my thoughts on yeah. that. Yeah. So I really appreciate it because I feel like I gave it more authenticity because I think you could be really flowery with it and just be like she was so she was just such a great mom and she was so great and she did all these good things for you know all these different projects and then she died yeah that's sad but I felt like they really talked about all the roles and all kind of the the the, the major milestones that 
kind of led to ultimately her death. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, I appreciated that. I, I also, one thing I appreciated was seeing kind of William and Harry both talk about um, Diana, their mom. Because um, I feel like they, I feel like it kind of inf- reinforced kind of what I think about both of them and kind of their, their very distinct personalities that William is still, even though he agreed to do this, he definitely was still very reserved. Um, yeah. For example, like when they talk about the, the final phone call that they had with their mom, the producer asks like what did you do you know what you talked about and wanted to know what it was and William's just like I do know what we talked about and then refused to go on but Harry was just like yep we talked about this and I wish had I known yeah and so I feel like I it definitely showed that William is still that kind of reserved guy and Harry's definitely more he was more open to talking about his his not only his feelings and how he hasn't he hasn't been able to process things as well and you know uh, everything. So I thought it was interesting to kind of see that come out, their personalities and um, when they're talking about their mother. Yeah. You can definitely see parts of Princess Diana in both of them, mm-hmm. too, because, uh, and, and how they reacted to those things, because William does have at times that kind of, you know, she was known as this shy person, soft-spoken, you know, he does have her smile, he does like kind of approach he has this kind of wariness about him and that's something that she also had and then harry on the other hand has that ability to be so engaging um you feel like you're talking to him like like he's talking right to you and Mm -hmm. obviously he's just talking to some random person and he has just he's just captivating Mm -hmm. and so you and that by all accounts is also what she had and so you're you're seeing kind of how her traits have come out in both of her sons. And so I like that. Well, what were your impressions? So, um, I'm going to go a little bit more superficial and talk about (laughs) how blue their eyes looked. (laughs) So Harry, oh my God, looking fine. And he was wearing a nice chambray shirt. I, my notes just say, Harry chambray shirt, super hot. In big letters. Um, Yeah. That's all I really have to say. He's got the beard. He's got the ginger hair. Yes. Um, William also looking quite fit. He's got a blue, like, sport coat blazer on. And then he's got a blue button down. And you can tell, like, they've coordinated. They've got their their eyes. And and your eyes are blue, like Polarized Gatorade. Polarized Gatorade. Which, yeah, that's a quote from, there's an SNL skit i think that was like with elijah so. wood and we were that was the thing we'd always say about yeah. boys we had crushes on who had blue eyes mm-hmm. eyes are blue like polarized yeah. gatorade just get lost them you want to drink it in because polarized gatorade is delicious it's cool and refreshing yes and that's exactly what they look like <laughs> you just get lost in them i don't know just looking looking good yes you would hope so i mean it's good that's like a nice camera crew like they probably got they've got a good lighting mm-hmm. they got good lighting people and so they they were looking good. Um, the other things that I had to do, I had to turn on closed captioning. You said yes, you had to do that too. I did, and which was funny because I okay, I watched it illegally on YouTube. I don't have HBO, mm-hmm. so um, and YouTube just makes it up as you go. So oh, that's hilarious because <laughs> I had the official ones. Yes, which were like would tell you who was talking and stuff. Oh, yeah, I didn't. Have that. Yeah, but it didn't always help me. I'm still no. like what. <laughs> What's happening? Right. Yes, they mumbled a lot because I mean they're talking to each other and they 
obviously they know like each other they know what they're saying cause well they've they're, lived with each other their entire lives and they're both they have the british accent but they got the arist- aristocratic like yeah. oh yes look at this look at this photo yes yes here we were we were yeah. on holiday here tommy yes the, i have this weird jaw thing <laughs> yeah like they've got that and so i had to turn it on pretty quickly because i wanted to make sure i was catching everything mm-hmm. that was being said um it was a very emotional watch for me. I, I have mentioned this before. I cry at everything. Um, within five minutes, I had already gotten choked up and mm-hmm. like not not crying, not tears like running down my face, but you know the word the Yiddish word verklempt. Mm-hmm. Harry, I because it and it's usually when I see somebody else get teary. Like there was a part where like Harry gets kind yes. of choked up right in the beginning, I and I like, just was like. <gasps> gasp like i was like so i was like can i give you a hug i know like, my heart is hurting like, i'm so sorry and then later um i mean i think my my notes are said jenna cries for approximately the entire 12 minutes at the end and that's completely accurate i was i was like tears pouring out my face crying it was not it's a, it's really emotional because i mean it's so sad right I, yeah, that's that's an articulate, interesting new thought, yeah. Jenna. It's really sad, but it's, you know, it's it's always so hard, and you just felt so much for them because, well, you think huh. like you go through this entire thing where it's like she was young and she didn't quite know what she was doing, but then all of a sudden she has like she's really sad and her marriage isn't working out, but then she always has her sons, which give her yeah. you know, such such joy and make you know makes life worth you know living yeah and everything and then she gets out of the marriage and she's she, yeah she's, she's rededicated her life right. uh, to her charitable endeavors and she's seems to be on this trajectory to bring real important change despite the fact that she's no longer a member of the royal right. family and then this tragedy happens really what gone. Yeah. what got it for me was i mean they showed the clips of like them harry like at the funeral mm-hmm. and them at the funeral and i just was like Mm-mm, right. i can't i can't do watch this without just losing it mm-hmm. um you know yes. it was but there were also some really good bright spots yes. that i i laughed quite a bit um the premise i thought was good that they were saying they they were looking at some her, her own personal um photographs that she had taken it was albums that she had taken or like somebody else had taken of mm-hmm. her with her camera and that she had compiled and that were i mean supposedly harry and william hadn't seen these mm-hmm. before or in a very long time um so they're sitting down together to look through this and then the documentary kind of does some flashbacks to important points in diana's life in her son's life um, interviews them and other um, people from her life, like her brother Earl Spencer, uh, talks about growing up, what it was like for her. Some um, of her friends, that's what they're pitched as. We'll all get into that. Friends question mark. Friends question mark. <laughs> and then um, there are some other people who are people who she worked with. Um, her stylist is there. Um, as you said, Kate, her lady in waiting. And then there's also some of the people who she worked with in her charity work. Um, 
there is Lord Victor Adeboale, uh, I think is how you say his last name. Um, and he is, was, is the chief executive of a homelessness charity called Centerpoint that she was the patron of. Mm -hmm. um, there were a few people who um, worked for London Lighthouse, uh, which is an AIDS charity. And Sir Elton John popped by to... The Benny. Yeah. <laughs> Sir Elton John popped by <laughs> to help with that part of it. And then um, there were Jerry White and Ken Rutherford, who uh, were the co-founders of um, the Landmine Survivors Network. And they were the two men who she went to Bosnia with and uh, three weeks before her death. And also uh, two men who were teenagers when she met them in Bosnia and who were both victims of landmines. Yeah. And so that was Zarko Perik and Malik uh, Braderic. And yeah. I apologize for any pronunciation <laughs> um, things there. But it was just really interesting to see the different things people had to say. Mm -hmm. Did you have a favorite? I loved hearing their memories. Yeah. Okay, Mom, did you have a favorite memory? The favorite memory that I had... Of their favorite memories? <laughs> my favorite memory of their favorite memory was uh, Prince William's stories about how she was a prankster. Yes. So one thing he brings up is how... So apparently uh, he was at boarding school. And so one thing she would do is she would try to find what he called rude cards. <laughs> so like think of like saucy greeting cards or like kind of like tongue-in-cheek kind of like inappropriate ones and she would find the rudest one she could and then as he said she would write like quite nice things on the inside <laughs> but every time he got a letter from her he had to make sure he wasn't opening it like near anyone because they would have been like what like yeah. what is what is this your mom sending you this because he she apparently really liked embarrassing him mm -hmm. and then on that he tells the best story yeah. which is when he was about 12 <laughs> or 13 again this is princess diana so she knows a lot of people yes and apparently when he was 12 or 13, he was coming home from school and Princess Diana had arranged it so that when he walked in, uh, Cindy Crawford, Naomi Campbell, and Christy Turlington, so three of the hottest supermodels yes. out there at the time and ever, are standing there waiting. And according to him, he just like fell down the stairs. He was so <laughs> embarrassed and like, because he had like taped up pictures of them right. in his room and like, of Shoot. course, he's a 12 to 13 year old boy who's... Right awkward like, and what yeah what no <laughs> they're, they're no, not my bedroom i'm not red you're red like <laughs> <laughs> and you can just yeah. imagine him being so embarrassed and sh mm. i that's probably gonna be me like being like <laughs> that kind of a jerk like just teasing but like in good fun and not funny for him at the moment probably but hilarious to him after right. the fact because that is like that's awesome that's amazing <laughs> like your mom pranking you it's not just like putting up a babe in a bikini to your like taping that to your bedroom door yeah. like so they go mom you know but it's like yeah. no bringing those models yeah. in <laughs> so that yeah. you get embarrassed yeah that was only my favorite and then i was kind of laughing when harry was talking about how they'd go for drives in her convertible in oh country. yes the yes. enya yeah oh and my then, god and it was and then they played the enya song i was like i had no idea Sail away. yeah Sail i didn't away. even know Sail that was away. enya you didn't no oh, that's like the i, I know there's I that one in like okay the, yes and then there's like she did a song um and the reason i know this is because like hannah has the soundtrack to like the lord of the rings and yeah yep. did mm -hmm. a song on there like let it be and yeah. hannah was like obsessed with it and i was like <laughs> i don't get it 
weird. So that was like my only education in Enya. And I was like, oh my god, I can't believe this song that like I know all the lyrics to is Enya. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was super cute and fun. The other, okay, the one thing that I have to talk about, and this was pretty upfront, and this is the thing I'm, when we chatted a bit before we started recording, I said I made me want to flip over my coffee table, (laughs) was um, Harry was talking about how his mom used to dress William and him up in the most bizarre (laughs) outfits, and they show some photos that are amazing, like blue peacoats and like their shiny patent buckle shoes. And he's like, yeah, we're always in weird shorts and shiny shoes. <laughs> and he says, you know, I like to think that she had a lot of fun dressing us up like that. And then he talks about how William got old enough to be like, I don't want to do this anymore. And then Harry was like, wait, if he doesn't have to do it, I'm not going to be the only royal. Yeah. And he's laughing. And then he says, he said something like, I'm, well, I'm definitely going to dress my kids up the same way. And that's yeah. where I was like, oh, your kids! Babies? Are they here? I was like, oh why don't you do it? Do it. Oh, my God. I want it so much. Yeah, I know. Those are so He'd be so good. And he would dress them up in stupid outfits. I know. Yay, that, stupid that the, outfit. Isn't that the point? It's like, you know. Oh, my God. I can't wait. Like, sorry for embarrassing story about yeah. my husband, but <laughs> one of the things that his mom showed me was... I was over at his parents' house, and she came out, and she had his Halloween costume that they dressed him in when he was, like, two. And he was dressed up as um, Jean-Luc Picard, and so it was a little (laughs) Star Trek outfit, and they put a bald cap on him, because he was too young to say no, because he didn't know what was happening. And it was so cute, and he's so embarrassed (laughs) by it, but I was like, oh, you were dressed up like Jean-Luc Picard, that's so cute. Because that's the point. Right. Until they're old enough to say, no, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. I don't want to put a bald cap on in this neoprene star suit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, but, you know, oh, mm-hmm. I want it. Yeah. But yes, I was so excited when he said that. Because yeah. it was like, have kids, have kids. Yeah. Do it, do it, do it. Yes. Do it. All right. Do it now. Yep. Uh, so yeah. So I thought that was really nice because I think... There was, yeah, because in between that, there was, yeah, there was some more heavy topics of conversation. So, yeah, to, like, reiterate that she she had joy in her life. Because I think sometimes I, when I think about Princess Diana, I'm like, it's just so tragic. Like, yeah. But knowing that she had the life with her sons and yeah all that, you know. Well. It brings some, you know, not, it doesn't make me feel better, but. It doesn't fix it. It definitely yes, doesn't, doesn't take, fix it. It doesn't fix the bad parts, but it makes you happy that she did have like a good you know, relationship with mm-hmm. her sons, and right. she was able to access joy with them, yeah. and to you know teach them important lessons about how to be a parent in this really weird situation mm-hmm. of being a royal. Yeah. Um, one more note that I have that happened kind of early on, just gushing about Harry is. Harry was talking about how she was a, nor- a normal 20-year-old marrying into an institution, and he said something. She brought a breath of fresh air to everything she did, mm-hmm. being this outsider coming in. And again, I was like, Megan? Are we talking about yes. Megan here? This outsider, Megan. this normal person who... Uh, starred in two Hallmark original movies. Mm-hmm. Well, he called her a normal 20-year-old, and then he said, well, normal 20-year-old Lady Diana Spencer. I mean, so he acknowledges that she's not, like, your average middle class, right. you know. She grew up in pretty much a palace. 
Yeah, well, in a, a stately home. In a stately home, and yeah. she, you know, again, her childhood is quite tragic. Mm-hmm. Um, you can turn to any of her numerous biographies to get more of that yes. story. But and her brother goes into a little bit of that detail yes. about her parents' divorce and how her mother. They say her mother left home at when she was young. Re, the real story, from what I've gathered, is yeah. more. Her parents were getting a divorce, and the children were used as leverage. Yes, and divorce. so she, w- her mother, was told pretty much. I'm going. They were pretty much used as a tool against her mother, and so her mother didn't have a choice but to leave because mm-hmm. the court system favored this lord. Yes, and so didn't give her any of the rights because she was supposedly the the person at fault for what was going on, but really he was no saint. Right. Yes. So. Um, yeah. anyway. And then I thought they did a really good job um, talking about, and it kind of goes back to talking about the, how William and Harry really do represent their mother's legacy and are, have really, like, kind of, they've done a great job of carrying on her, her, not only her personality and what made her so captivating, but also the projects that she she championed. Yeah, they show uh, William visiting a homeless shelter in, uh, called the Passage, and and this is a place where he his mother had brought him when he was younger. Yeah, it was like twelve or something. Yeah, and taught, and so he said that that visit really instilled in him the importance of connecting with people who have had a, a hard time of it. I think is how he described it, mm-hmm. and um, you know, it also shows him talking to people and talking about Prince George. Yeah, where he tells <laughs> he says something like telling somebody about how he's growing so fast that they've had to retailer all of his outfits, which, you know, and some a volunteer there said, oh, you just want to go to the pub and get a pint with right. him. And I was like, me too. I want to yeah, go. Please. Can I come? And yeah, homelessness. I'm going to segue this into another thing that just made me want to flip the table, but in a different <laughs> way. Um, so I guess home, I didn't know that before this, I didn't really know that homelessness was such a, a, a personal cause for Diana, mm-hmm. um, specifically youth homelessness. And apparently she gave a, a speech in the early nineties about pretty much saying this is unacceptable that there are young people who are, you know, homeless and who are therefore at such a high risk of being exploited because that's a fact. Mm-hmm. You know, young people who run away from home or who are living on the streets, they, it's just a fact. And apparently it was seen as a political speech because there was budget cuts happening. And so she got a lot of flack for supposedly being bringing the royal family into politics. And I'm sorry, it's not... Po- how is it politics to say that it's young appalling. people are it's appalling <laughs> that young people are being exploited and are homeless like how is that political like that's just a thing mm-hmm. like she wasn't going in and saying like it's caused by the budget cuts she mm-hmm. was just saying this is not okay we need to right. fix this she wasn't saying again like let's spend a lot or let's pass this legislation she was saying you got to fix this this is a problem i'm not okay with it right. and then some I, I said, some asshole describes her as, quote, headstrong and willful. Yes. And I was, that's where I was going to flip the coffee table over again. It's like, what are you talking, and it was like, despite being charming at times. Right. I'm like, excuse me? What are you talking about? Like, headstrong, oh. 
And that like, that really frustrated me because it, it it reminded me, not that, you know, it reminded me that not only was Diana, you know, trying to push against the constraints of the royal family and the antiquated views of that institution, but she was also dealing with a lot of this BS because she was a young woman. Mm-hmm. Because she was a young woman who was getting up there and speaking her mind and talking about things that... She sounded angry. Yeah, she sounded angry. And she had a right to sound angry because Mm -hmm. it's insane to, to, like, if you can... There's nothing wrong with being passionate about this. There are a lot of bad things out there. And if she's getting up there to give a speech about a cause she feels, you know, invested in, how the heck... How dare you call her willful and headstrong? Like, that's that's like out of a Jane Austen novel. (laughs) You know, yeah, that's Elizabeth Bennet for you, you know? Like... (laughs) But ugh, it just it just made me so mad. But then it was like, she so that that also really helped me see her in a new light as a, a person who had to deal with this additional layer of trying to be an activist as a a very young woman mm-hmm. in the eighties. Not that it's easy now, but like it was even harder then. Mm-hmm. And right, and it, it was just yeah, she was defining a different role for the. The royal family. I mean, I don't think the queen had probably ever been ever that outspoken or has ever been. And so I think that was where it was like really unusual um, for to pe- for people to hear that from someone in the family. And so they just automatically assume that they should just be like, okay, well, she's just trying to make us look bad. And it's like, no, she has some genuine concerns here. She's shining a spotlight on yeah. a thing. Like, she, it's not her fault that you guys failed. It's not your, her fault that this problem exists. It's like, you're welcome that she is really making it easy for you to to get the leverage you need to get the funding or the volunteers or the support or the supplies you need to, to help fix this problem and start making some headway on it. Right. Which we do see um, a really good example of how she was able to when they talk about the landmines. Yeah. Which was so cool because, I, I mean, I've always heard that she had done a lot for landmines, but I'd never heard the full story. And I thought they did a really great job of telling it very succinctly. Like, yeah. Uh, keeping in mind, this yeah. is an hour, long, hour, yes. 10 minutes, I think mm-hmm. tops. And you could have done a whole documentary on this landmine thing. I imagine. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm not, well, the people, the, the people who I mentioned, they, that foundation, the landmine survivors network won the Nobel peace prize mm-hmm. for this, this work. And yeah. so, you know, I'm sure there are some fantastic, external sources such as documentaries or books mm. about this work and about the Bosnia crisis and about other conflicts that have, you know, had mm-hmm. landmines yeah. like the, the unanticipated effect of causing all this devastation once the conflict is over mm-hmm. by just injuring innocent children and citizens right. who are just trying to walk around. Um, but yeah, it really showed, I think it showed a, a good, progression i think it's i want to go back to her um activism with aids because i think that this it shows the arc of her 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 arc as an activist Mm -hmm. in her life because i think that first time you know she did get all this pushback from this homelessness charity but she she didn't she didn't give a shit she went forward she Mm -hmm. did it she carried on and then she she didn't balk at like, oh, I got this blowback with homelessness. Right. Which, again, a lot of people can say, like, oh, kids are being exploited. This is not cool. 
she went to a even more stigma stigmatized group which was um you know the people who had hiv and aids and she they tell the story about how she walked into Middlesex Hospital and she shook the hand of a, an AIDS patient and just treated him like a person. Right. Which is something that wasn't there. And she showed she didn't care. She was going to do the right thing no matter what anyone was saying to her. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I, that was all I really had to do. But Elton John's there also yes. in this part <laughs> and he's got funky glasses on and a good jacket. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. But c- going back to this landmine thing i didn't mean to derail you i just really wanted to try to do it because then at the end you see this huge impact she has right because it it it, it almost seems like i think there was obviously a lot more work but it's almost like she went to bosnia walked through a landmine field yeah came back and then all of a sudden they passed this treaty passed this international treaty banning um landmines well (laughs) one thing i know is that so this work had been going on in the background for quite a while Mm -hmm. Um, and she, uh, felt connected to this cause because it was something that was impacting children. Um, again, it was just kids. I think talk about her empathy a lot in this and she could connect to the fear just as a parent of having your kids walking around your village and have them be in danger of, you know, a devastating injury or death. And so she knew that they needed, you know, maybe a spotlight, maybe her help shining a spotlight on it. And so she'd set up this trip and apparently she actually did that walk twice because the cameras didn't catch her the first time. <laughs> okay. So some people are like, Oh, she was only in it for the publicity for her. No, she was in it for the publicity for her. So people would pay attention to right, it. Cause she was like, I have this, like people are going to pay attention to me no matter what I do for the rest of my life. Right. So I might as well yeah. do something good with it. Right. It's, um, she had more than, she had more than enough money to just go sit on a yacht for the rest of her life. Yeah. Right? And she did sit on yachts. Yes, she did. Is, you know. No great. judgment. Yeah. Do what you want. But, like, also, she's not there just to, like, it's it's not, like, I don't know. And also, who cares if somebody's doing it for self-aggrandizement? They're also yeah. doing good at the same time. Right. It's like, yeah, people go, I don't know. It's so, people just love finding reasons to criticize people who are mm-hmm. acting charitably. And, yeah, your motivation for performing an act of charity is important, but I feel like that's more important between you and your spiritual being of choice. Like yeah. it's like, you know, and if right. you're actually doing good, you know, great. Cool. Um, but also this was her showing her as an activist after she was outside the Royal mm-hmm. family. Um, and so it was showing like, you know, there's the, I don't know. Do you think that I doubt they would have let her do something like that? Yeah. Walk through a landmine field. I that mean, seems... that's pretty risky. Yeah. Cause I mean, I imagine no. Yeah. I don't think they would have. I'm trying to think like, yeah. I mean, monarchs and, and direct heirs have served in military service and things, yeah. but it's very rare that they're allowed to really, you know, but go. to do it for, for a charity versus, like, I'm serving my country. Right, right. It's, is, it's a different context. It's not yeah. it's not something that's seen as, like, it's not an active combat zone. And also, they would say, well, why are you doing this? It's not, like, a mission, mm-hmm. necessarily. Like, it doesn't have a military objective. And I think that, yeah, they would have tried to stop her from doing stuff like that. And so she had the freedom to really push the limits and and do what she could. 
when she was out of this. So, yeah. And so, it was really moving to hear the two uh, yes. men talk about what she said to them when they were 12 and 15. And to how the fact that she, I think they were talking, like, she said something to them, like, you know, you'll never be forgotten yes. because of me. And it's they tie back to that now because then Prince Harry meets with those two men mm -hmm. um, and the other... Uh, the the two people who started the um, Landmine Survivors Network. And the best part of that scene is that when Harry is like, they're all seated in like a uh, sitting room and Harry, waiting for Harry, and he pops his head in and somebody, I don't know who, says, <laughs> says, it's a leprechaun. <laughs> I didn't see that. And I was like, what? Who said that? Like, it was so funny. And I was like, what is happening? Maybe they haven't seen very many redheads. Well, it wasn't one of the Bosnian people. Oh, okay. it, was like, it was like a British person. Yeah. I think it was like, or it was one of the, like, uh, the, the founders of the, the network. Okay. But like, it's somebody who's either like having a laugh with him who he's like friends with, or yeah. it's one of the American people. Yeah. And it's really funny. And I laugh really hard oh because God, she that. just pops in and they, it's a leprechaun. Yeah. <laughs> so that was funny. Yeah. Um, and he talks to, to them and, oh God, one though what really broke my heart is they, he mentions to these people that, oof, they saw her more recently yes. than he did because mm -hmm. she had been to Bosnia. She, Harry hadn't seen her like for three months or something or a month or something. Yeah. And anyway, so that was just really hard. Yeah. Ooh, it was really hard. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. So. But yeah, I thought it was great that they talked about these, you know, they, the three, they talked about homelessness, they talked about AIDS and HIV, and then they also talked about the landmines. So then they tied back to how William and Harry are now the representatives for those causes. So mm -hmm. I thought that was another great way to go that her legacy continues. Because like Harry, after he speaks um, with the landmine um, network and also the survivors that she met with, um, Princess Diana met with, he is at a fundraiser. Yes. And he talks about, you know, like, we need to, we need to completely eradicate landmines and don't let my mother's legacy be in vain. And right. Like what a great way to really push it home being like, don't let Princess Diana down. Okay. Right. Like, and it, I'm her son and I'm here to carry out what she wanted and yeah, what she knew that was important for all these places that are still affected by this 20 years later. Yeah, and it also showed, had clips um, of Harry carrying on her work uh, to eradicate HIV-AIDS. Mm -hmm. And it showed, um, if you remember, when Prince Harry was in Barbados and yes. Rihanna came along and they got uh, tested together. And yeah. it was like, I remember that was awesome. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, fall in love. No, just They're probably kidding. talking Don't. about, she's probably like, Rihanna's like, I don't know about Drake. Like, yeah, I know. Or whoever And Harry's did. like, listen, you would, Drake, Drake is taking too long to mess around. You better find a guy who worships, he seems to worship the ground he walk, you walk on, he acts like that, but then he all of a sudden doesn't right. act like that. And you don't need that. You're Rihanna. Don't worry. I just wanted to let you know, Rihanna, that I have found true love and it's possible. Mm -hmm. so. so, yeah, <laughs> but I was like, Rihanna, when she came in. So, <laughs> lots of fun. Mm -hmm. um, let's oh. see. Yeah, the only last note that I had was talking about, um, and I thought it was more random than anything. So, um, we had mentioned talking about how Charles is mentioned. Yes. And he's not completely dead in this. Uh, but I thought it was interesting. Uh, 
And this is based because I actually recently watched the movie The Queen. Mm. And I've never actually seen it. It's that. on Netflix. Yes, so I, I know. I just I know it's really watch. sad. Yes. It, yeah, I definitely cried uh, for sure, even though it's not real. Or you know what I mean? Like it's as real as, or at least the characters. It's a fictional but, movie. But they have like scenes from the actual like footage of like Buckingham Palace and all that. Anyways, um, the Queen talks about the reaction to of the royal family after Princess Diana died and right. the fact that she technically, yeah, she wasn't a, a member, an official member of the royal family. And so talking about did the Queen purposely not address it the way you know, the world wanted her to address it because she was like, oh, uh, you know, like, she's not part of the family. Like, I don't know if we should be giving her the, a funeral or anything like that. Um, but they do talk about, and and it seemed to hurt the monarchy. Like, it seemed like, okay, people are not happy. They are just like, you're so ungrateful. Diana did nothing. But yeah, bring be that fr- breath of fresh air. And I thought it was interesting. There was just kind of a random comment talking about how concerned the queen was. Um, yeah. Was hearing when um, Charles and Diana separated. Now she's a very, and they don't even say the queen at first. They just say her mother-in-law. Yeah. And then they're like, by the way, she's the queen. Yeah. Duh. It's so in this uh, chat, this is, was it, this was Harry think, Herbert, right? Yeah. That was, okay. Yeah. So, so we'll get to the friends a little bit in detail here. So um, three people are pitched as her friends who have never before been heard talking about her. And we were like, Oh, is it the women she lived with in London when she was young, just before she got married? Like, you know, who is it? Um, and two of these people were Harry Herbert and Lady Carolyn Warren. And so both of these people, their brother and sister, I, this is not explained in this. This is mm-hmm. just something I figured right. out yeah, I, after the fact. Their brother and sister, and they are the uh, daughter and the second son of the seventh Earl of uh, Canervon. Is that how you say it? I don't know. C A N A R V O N. I'm not sure. Car- but Carnarvon. I, I, I don't know. You. I believe you. Oof. British pronunciations, man. <laughs> right. Um, and so, and that's the Queen's former racing manager. So, um, Harry Herbert talks about how he, like, encountered Diana when he was golfing at Balmoral, um, and tells a, a story. And I'm not doubting that these people weren't friendly with her, but they're pitched as these fr- these close personal right. friends of Diana. When, also then, uh, Lady Carolyn Warren is cur- married to the current racing manager, uh, the Queen's current racing manager. Um, I will add, though, that their, her son um, is Jake Warren, and he's one of Harry's friends, according to a uh, Telegraph article I saw when from 2013, where Jake had become engaged to be married. But, I mean, these are, these are horsey people. Like, they are very, like, posh, you know, mm-hmm. into horsey pursuits. And so I'm not doubting that Again, they were friendly with Diana, but I don't think that they're like, if they're going to choose sides in the divorce, you know, like how there's, mm-hmm. or choose sides in the breakup, like, you know, got like your people who you're friends with a couple, but like if they split, you know who you'd go with. I don't think that they would have been the people who went with Diana. Yeah. Like, I think they would have been cordial and, you know, not tried to undermine her or do anything mean or cut her out completely but i i don't think that they're like they super close had an allegiance to the queen oh for sure <laughs> and not so, that it was a queen versus diana thing but no i th- but again and i but there I was a, there was a difference in ha- in world view between the two of them there's also just a natural <laughs> tension between any mother-in-law and daughter-in-law 
and not necessarily it's not always going to manifest itself as a like negative a huge negative blowout mm-hmm. it's just always like my, i mean you're just always worried for one thing a lot can be you're worried you're going to say the wrong thing because you know that this is an important person in your son or husband's life not to mention the queen right and she's <laughs> the queen in this case so there's an extra layer but even yes. just just as a human interpersonal relationship study mm-hmm. it's so like I would think that any mother-in-law, even if she wasn't, you know, she would be worried about her daughter-in-law, even if if there's trouble in the marriage, even if it's like... Well, you worry because it not only affects your your personal child who's married to... Yeah. uh, But also your grandchildren. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot to consider. Yeah. And think about. Yeah. It's... Yeah. And I think that the queen... The queen is unfortunately not all powerful. Like she couldn't just fix everything. And I think she just was like overwhelmed. She unfortunately several times in her life had to deal with these like insane, like love, uh, like tragedies of love. And a lot of it was caused by these constraints on the monarchy as the head of the church of England. So she saw like, you know, so many different crises come around and she, I'm sure she like her. She had her sister to deal with. She saw her I mean, uh, uncle. Right. She saw, and then she had to deal with her son. And then after that, like, I mean, all of her children except Edward are divorced. Right. And it's so. I mean, I think she's had to realize, like, you know, the world has changed. One, like, I, the world changed a lot in that, like, um, both. The, so from George the Fifth, George the Sixth, and then Elizabeth, all of them had very good, loving marriages. Um, but on the whole, I mean, there might have been some blips here and there. I don't right. know. But for from objectively, like no one had a mistress. Like right, a, there like wasn't a, there wasn't a confirmed like yeah. I was their mistress, and I was just hanging out. Yeah, it's not like um, Edward the Seventh, where yeah. Edward the Seventh was like married to. Uh, Queen Alexandra, but like, was not her right. primary. He had a very specific mistress. Mistress, who's also Camilla's great. Yeah, <laughs> right. Which is crazy, crazy small world. So, um, so there's that. Like, so there's, so that's one thing. But, um, you know, women. This this thing happened where women were like, you know what? I don't want to put up with this BS. They didn't want to like the whole like, the whole thing that had allowed you know court mistresses and and marriages of you know titles and blood to go forward but everyone just kind of carries on with stable boy on the side and uh you know looks the other way (laughs) (laughs) the stable boy right you know like that on the side and, and and just kind of procreates for you know procreation purposes and doesn't really like it's not a marriage of love it's marriage of alliance Alliance, and political motives behind it like that's not really the case much anymore so you know then when charles is forced into these constraints caught and like princess margaret everyone's forced into these constraints of like oh you have to marry somebody with this title and with this like pedigree and this virginity and all of these things but like it's there aren't that many people out there Cause like, who fit that bill and then like? They're a unicorn. 
Yeah, it's just, it's all these things. And so I think the, the queen has, she's seen that and she's just like, I think she's yeah. just like, at that point, she was, she didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. She had tried to play by the book with her sister and that, you know, her sister still ended up marrying a divorced man. Right. Like, it's like, oh my gosh. And then she divorced him. Right. It's just, oof. And was still fabulous the entire time. Yes. Fa- fabulous, if a bit racist. But yeah. yeah, fabulous in in the in the she looked great in clothes way. Um so I don't know. I don't even remember where we were going with that or where oh, I was. Weird. Going with I that. was just the, the it was just kind of the random mention that the queen was mentioned first as the mother in law and her concern yeah. right Diana. So I thought that was just interesting, but made even more interesting by the people who were saying it right due to their their Questionable alliances and believability. Right. Um, but I mean, yeah. whatever, he, what he said, I think I, be, I believed everything he said. I just don't yeah. think it was, I think it was kind of a thinly veiled attempt to cast yes. the queen in a more sympathetic light. Because like I said, I don't doubt that even if she hated Diana, that she wouldn't have actually felt great concern for her mm-hmm. just as a human. I don't right. think that the queen is a mean person. No. I think she probably was very frustrated that people couldn't just get on with it and, you know, right. do what they were supposed to do. Um, but I still think, like, you know. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. All right. Um, the, we also get a, a, a picture. We get a couple of appearances from Duchess Kate. Um, we get a flashback to their wedding, mm-hmm. which, again, is the part that I got verklempt at because it was asking Prince William, was your mother, do you think your mother was there on your wedding day? Which like, ugh, you know, he says, yes, she was there. And, and then they also show, um, William and and Kate visiting Child Bereavement UK, which Mm -hmm. is a charity that Diana supported towards the end of her life. And them meeting with two parents who had lost children and, Again, this is at the part when I had already started crying, and so I just carried on. Kate looked amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I love her blue coat. Right. And, yeah, just showing that they have to deal with, as we've been talking about in the last several episodes, some really heavy things that most <sighs> people run away from. But yeah. they, they don't get that, I wouldn't say luxury, but but they yeah. have a, a duty, and they and they're definitely very well-equipped and trained to kind of deal with these situations and and not always say the right thing but like at least they're not saying the worst things because they they have they deal with this quite often and are really good at and I think that's like when they talk about Will and how someone is like oh I could totally go have a pint with him he's just a very relatable person to talk to and he's easy to talk to he's not someone you're like oh your majesty it's like oh thank you. You like understand and yeah, you know, you, you are genuinely here to shed a light on what I've gone through and how the services that I'm using are helping me. And thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's just two more things that I wanted to touch on. One is, um, the, how they describe, they ask William, um, about how he's passing on the legacy of his mother and, and t- telling his kids about her. And he talks about Granny Diana mm-hmm. and about how he they have a lot of photos of her around the house and that he talks to both of his children about 
Granny Diana so that they understand that they had an, another grandmother. Again, this is where I, like, am That's full on sobbing. I, That's where I was like, oh my gosh. But the, oh, the part where he describes, they said, what kind of grandmother do you think she would have been? <laughs> and this was really funny. This is one of those things where it's like, oh God, you cry, but you're laughing. Yeah. Where he says, she would have been a nightmare grandmother, <laughs> a nightmare grandmother. And at first I was like, what? But I got where he was going. Yeah. He goes, she would have come in around bath time. It would have just been bubbles and bath water <laughs> everywhere. Great fun. And then she would leave. Yeah. Like, and that's totally it. That's right. what, like, some grandparents just love doing right. that. Like, like, she'd be the one just giving them candy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. She would be buying them the, <laughs> like, bringing them sweets when they weren't supposed to have sweets. Like, yeah. one of my um, coworkers, she was telling me about how she was babysitting her grandkids. And she was like, oh, and I always have to make sure that they tell, I tell them, oh, bring an extra, um, an extra, like, set of clothes just in case, like, you know, something happens where I need to change them. And she's like, really? It's because last time they were there, I gave them chocolate pudding, and they're not supposed to have sugar. But I gave them chocolate pudding, and I had to, like, change them and, like, be like, oh, there was an accident. But, like, really, I was just giving them sugar, and I wasn't supposed to. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. you're not supposed to do that. But, you know, mm. that's what grandparents do. Right. But it was just so sweet. and You're just kind of like, oh, it's so bittersweet to... Mm -hmm. Talk, but I want to. Yeah. Do you have anything else? Because I have my last thing I'm going to save is the the happy note. To end oh on. no, you go for it. All right, the last thing is just the funny um, way that William and Harry relate to each other and how they are such brothers at times. Like in the beginning, they're talking about um, they're talking about when they're looking at photos. There's a really adorable photo of Princess Diana hugging Harry, and they're in their bathing suits. They were on holiday, and. Uh, Harry mentions that he had the he has the skinniest legs, and he goes, "I still have the skinniest legs." <laughs> and then and William goes, "You had such freckles, yeah. Like <laughs> you, you had less freckles here, but it's like that's so funny." But then they talk about their um, the fights they would get in, and uh, Harry, when he's talking about having divorced parents as a young kid, he's talking about there was a lot of time traveling um, to between houses, and he said, "And a lot of fights in the back seat." Of which I would win. And he, like, makes the, like, um, old-timey boxing motions. Put like, up. Yeah, put him up. Like, he, like, and then it jumps to a picture of him and William, and they're probably just, like, getting done hitting each other in the backseat of the car, like any brothers. Yeah. And then um, at the very end, they're uh, looking at a photo, and it's Princess Diana holding a very young Prince William, and Prince. she's pregnant with Prince Harry at the time, and Harry asks William... Oh, were you excited to have a new brother or sister like coming out? And William says, "Yeah, I was looking forward to beating you up the moment you arrived," <laughs> which was like really funny because you can just tell like they are they do have this relationship that is very typical for brothers. Mm -hmm. And I was telling like they're lads, you know, yes. ladding about their banter and you know making fun of each other and being there for each other in their own peculiar way like right. well no one else like, no one else can beat up the prince of england no you yeah. know so their brother has to be there to beat right. him up yeah and so no one else has gone through what they've gone through so yeah and you know yeah so, so they have a, a, a adorable connection i know <laughs> i just want yeah so yeah i think overall i thought it was a really good documentary I did too. 
I it, it lived up to my expectations. I didn't think yeah. it was going to be a gritty look no. into the. I thought it was going to be much more details. flowery. Like I was like, oh, if Will and Harry are involved, I wonder how much control they had. But by the sounds of it, they kind of they they said what they had to say and yeah. what they wanted to say. And I think ITV's or the production company kind of took it from there. I think they're savvy enough. I think they're savvy enough to know that any kind of just flowery thing that didn't touch at all on any of the more difficult periods of her life and their mm-hmm. lives would be seen with a lot more skepticism. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's because when I was watching The Queen at ninety, that was a lot more flowery. Well, yeah, and I get yeah. that she's a ninety-year-old woman. We're not going to be like, and then there was trouble, and they were throwing things at each other, and Prince right. Phillips well, and it's an hour at long his man club, like yeah, you know. Hitting on waitresses. Right. So. Driving his motor car. <laughs> with champagne. I don't know. That sounds great. Not, yeah, but don't. Not the driving part. No. But the just being in a car with some champagne, but not as the driver. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm trying to see who else was in here that, if I didn't mention. They, oh, the gardener, head gardener of Kensington Palace um, was there at the very end. He talked about how they have a memorial garden for her right now um i mentioned that um anna harvey her uh, who was a former deputy editor of vogue and was also diana silas she was there a little bit um jane fincher who was a royal photographer was there um and she talked about she was photographing a lot of the trips that charles and diana would go on and so she spoke to their relationship um and yeah that's uh I think we've touched on pretty much everyone else who was included. Mm-hmm. I think that it's uh yeah. I th- I think it's good. Um would I say waste your HBO free trial on it if you really really like Royals? Yeah. If not, mm, I don't think you need to unless you also want to catch up on Game of Thrones. Right. I would also use it with uh, to watch some other yeah programming yeah it's it's really good documentary i'm assuming it will one day show up on netflix much like the queen at 90 has um well actually i don't know though because it's hbo so if they bought the rights Uh, oh true well oh oh, wait for there are some days that like hbo will have like a free trial day Mm -hmm. wait for that where like you don't have to like sign up to waste it or steal your parents' account information because they probably have it. Yay. Yay. But if you are a paid member of HBO, congrats. Yeah. Congrats. Yeah. That sounds great. I mean, I was that for a while, but then my husband was in charge of setting up the TV when we moved. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I want the whole package because, like, I watch way too much television. And then he set it up, and we don't have. Like, it shows channels, but we don't have the channels. Oh. So every time Turner Classic Movies has an amazing movie on, I once again have to face my frustration with the fact that... So does it just go to the screen that's like, you don't like, own this? It's like, you have to buy this. Yeah. Expand your subscription. It's like, I want to watch the movies. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. One day I'll get, like, a, an offer. I'll call yeah. and be like, I'm going to cancel. And they'll be like, no, we'll give you everything. So yeah. anyway, but yeah, so I thought it was a really great way that wasn't like putting on a parade or having a concert to 
really pay tribute to their mother and yeah I think it was really well done yeah because i mean as of now we don't believe that there's any major events like that no. that are happening not that we've heard of if, if no. there is it's not affiliated with the royals right it's not so. like um prince the princes have have an event that they're sponsoring or will be right. lending their voice to so far i am there will of course be some sort of events across the world to yeah. probably mark it, but I don't think they'll be official in any way. Right, and they're having private family, like, remembrance ceremonies mm-hmm. and things like that, um, mm-hmm. but and I think there's they're commissioning a statue, which maybe I don't know when that is going to be mm-hmm. installed, but that's going into the Kensington Palace Gardens. Yes. Um, but again, I don't know the timing on that. So, mm-hmm. I think we are going to, we talked about this before a little bit, we're gonna you know, talk a little bit more about Diana um, and her impact legacy um, on our episode that coincides with the anniversary itself, but we don't think we'll be covering it too much in depth other than that. Mm-hmm. It's sad. It is. We'd rather, t- I mean, not rather, t- well, yeah, I'd rather talk yeah. about. We would rather this had not happened. Yeah, and that would have been cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the world. It's. Things happen, man. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. I'm going to remember this yes, time. Yes, I was just about to say it. our <laughs> contact information. For example, today we received a, a great inquiry from uh, a fan, but it was via text message because, well, I think it, she's a, a friend yeah. of ours, and so we were like, oh. And um, hi, Shelby. Hi, Shelby. <laughs> I hope you're listening now. But no, we hadn't answered the question yes. on air. Um, I think we'll answer it. Yeah, we'll talk about it when it maybe next when it fits a little bit better in with what our main topic or mm-hmm. any high level news is. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you have any questions or any ideas of things you want to have us talk right. about or think we should talk about, or if you have any other feedback that doesn't involve gross insults, you can contact us at americrowndreams at gmail.com. And then we are also on Facebook and Instagram at Americrown Dreams. And we are on Twitter at Americrown Dream. Singular, not plural. Boo Twitter. All that jazz. Yes. So we are trying to build our social media presence. So if you could like us or follow us. Um, if you could also find us on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Yes. And rate and review us and do all those nice things. Because then you can help us share our love. Yeah. With the British monarchy. Yeah. Yeah. With other people who might not know. So. Exactly. Yeah. And we, we would really love to get some more ideas. We have good ideas for our podcast, but mm-hmm. we also want to make sure we're talking about things that you guys are interested in. So also, yeah, if you're not interested in what we're talking about, but have other great ideas. Yeah. We would love to hear them. Yes. Yay. All right. Well, Another um, successful show. We were yes. like, oh, this is going to be a short one. Nope. But it was shorter than the last two, so... That's true. Yeah, yeah, just two hours. I hope you don't mind listening to us, listening to me, Yammeron. <laughs> I mean, I talk way too much, but... Alas. Oh, we'll see you guys for our next episode! <laughs> Yay! Bye, everybody! Bye.